Friends, I'm going to read our scripture passage for tonight. And when we read the Christian scriptures, we believe that we're doing more than simply reading an ancient text. We believe that God's actually speaking, that God is speaking to us as a community tonight through his words. So I invite you to just take another moment of quiet, ask God to help you listen, to quiet yourself. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 3 through 8. Hear God's word. Bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in God's presence before the creation of the world. God destined us to be his adopted children through Jesus Christ because of his love. This was according to his goodwill and plan and to honor his glorious grace that he has given us freely to the son whom he loves. We have been ransomed through his son's blood, and we have forgiveness for our failures based on his overflowing grace, which he poured over us with wisdom and understanding. We're thankful for God's word. Well, good evening, everyone. How are we doing? Good. Good. Well, my name is Emmanuel. I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Uh, before I get started, I just want to say you guys have a, like, two amazing pastors, right? I've gotten to know Chuck and Katie over the past few years, so if we show appreciation to them too, they're awesome. Uh, they love you guys, uh, and so so grateful uh, to know them. Uh, a little bit about me: um, I met my lovely wife about 12 years ago. I was a sophomore in college; she was a freshman. And we began dating, and then we've been married for about seven years. And seven years flies by when you're having fun, as they say. It's flown by. Um, before I met Kelly, there are three things I refused to absolutely do. One, I never wanted to ever have a dog or like dogs or anything to do with dogs. I just wasn't a dog person. I grew up in the Congo. In the Congo, dogs aren't very friendly, so I was always terrified of dogs. Uh, second thing, I played sports. So I wasn't playing basketball. I was in my dorm room off my legs. So I didn't like going on walks. And third thing, I hated romantic films. Movie, I did not like them. Rom-coms, drama, if there's romance in it, I want no, want no, no parts about it. Didn't want to watch it, do anything with it. Then I met Kelly. And what began to happen was uh, romantic films became a part of my life to the point where I now watch shows that include romance. I'm like, what is happening to me? I won't tell you the shows because it's embarrassing, but I now watch romantic films. When it comes to going on walks, I go on walks daily with her and our kids. And I actually enjoy going on walks now, whereas before I didn't. Am I still playing basketball, still working out? Yes. Am I still exhausted from that? Yes. But I still go on walks because of my spouse. And third thing, while we don't have a dog, am I scared of dogs now? No. I actually enjoy dogs. So if you're dog lovers out there, yeah, woo, dogs, awesome, yeah, no cats, cool, awesome. Um, I now appreciate dogs. But I ask myself, why did things change? Why did I go from not liking romance movies to not liking dogs to not liking walks to now appreciating and enjoying those things? Well, because of her. Because I grew to love her. For those who are parents, some of you guys know when you have little kids, uh, you may not be used to certain things, certain act activities, but you begin to do them for who? 
your kids, all because you love them. If we are finite creatures, if we are limited human beings, and yet we feel these things towards the ones that we love, how much more does the infinite God, the limitless God, feel towards us? Things that we're passionate about, things that we care about, things about things that we worry about or concern ourselves with. How much more does God love to participate with us in these things? We're going through a series which has us looking at the world like Jesus. Looking at creation, looking at each other, looking at even God himself as Jesus does. Which then begs the question, how can we trust the way Jesus sees the world, the way Jesus sees us and other people actually matters, actually has value in our lives? How can we even trust that? Well, we can trust that if we know that the one that we are trying to aspire to be Jesus, if he actually loves us, it actually cares about us. In our passage uh, written by a guy named Paul, Paul essentially has, I would say, uh, five things in this text that we just read that shows us how God, how Jesus loves and feels about us. It says in verse two, or verse three rather, how we are blessed. The Greek word for blessed also includes the idea of happiness, right? Um, and the idea there is, hey, God actually wants us to have joy in our lives. Or if we're honest, maybe some of us, I know I grew up thinking that, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to fear God. Jesus is nice, but God isn't. But that seems to be very unbiblical. God actually wants us to have joy, to be happy in our lives. Right? As, as a parent, I don't want my kids to be like, oh, there's dad. I'm scared of him. I want them to actually enjoy life, to enjoy being around me. So God has blessed us, Paul says. God has given us joy. Next thing he says, God has chosen us to be holy and blameless. You might even say pure and blameless. The idea of holiness is the idea of essentially uh, being set apart, being uh, different. So I hate dressing up very often. This is probably as best as you ever get me dressed up. Um, but when I go to weddings or certain occasions, uh, there are certain clothes that I have to wear that I barely get to wear. And my wife says those clothes have to be ironed out and all yada, 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 all that good stuff, right? But those clothes that I wear, suits, we call them, are set apart. I don't wear them every single day. They're for special occasions. And so when Paul says that God has made us holy and blames, what he's saying is, hey, we're set apart. God has loved us to the point where he's made us unique over all things in creation. Says God has destined us to be adopted as kids of his. In Paul's day, it wasn't uncommon for a wealthy person or a ruler to find sons and daughters that he would adopt as his own. And Paul says God has adopted you and I to be his kids. Right? Those who were once his enemies, those who were once far off, God has adopted us as his kids, and he dearly loves us. God's love. Fourth, God has given us grace. We've heard the word grace before, if you're in church, if you grew up in church. It's a gift. We receive grace that we don't deserve. And lastly, 
Paul says we've been ransomed or we've been redeemed all because of the work of Christ. The idea is all of these things are showing us how God loves us, how God cares about us. And if that's true, and if God truly loves us, then how he sees the world, how he sees other people, how he sees creation, how he sees us, actually is worth considering. I will say this, right? God cares about all of it. God cares about all of it, about every single aspect of our lives. At work, at school, if you're in school, with your family, with your friends, when you're hanging out, your hobbies, God cares about all of it because he loves us that much. He cares about it all. Now, if that's true and God cares about our lives, our response should be a response of trust. Uh, ever played uh, the game uh, Trust Fall? Right? Close your eyes. Fall backwards. I'll catch you. Don't catch him. Don't catch her. Next thing you know is, woo, you're in trouble. Okay? But Trust Fall. Or, or better yet, think of ballroom dancing. Who in here is a dancer? Any dancers in here? Okay? Uh, ballroom dancing. You have a leader. You have a follower. The follower's job is to essentially trust the who? The leader. They're at the mercy of the leader. Wherever the leader goes, however the leader spins them around and tosses them in the air, all that, they're trusting the leader. Our response to God's love, to God caring about us, should be like the follower in ballroom dancing. Where we trust him. Where we commit to him. Even as dangerous as it might be. Where you say, Lord, here I am. Here are my hobbies, my passion. And because you love me, and because you care about it all, I'm going to trust you with these things. And that's not easy to do. Right? It's not easy for those of us who want to control, want to figure things out to trust him. In fact, I would argue the temptation for most of us is to say, okay, here are my things, God. Right? We want to keep it. We want to control it for ourselves. When it comes to our spiritual walk, for example, we try to control it by saying, hey, I will make sure that I become a spiritual person on my own based on what I do. So I'll spend an hour in the Word and prayer. I will go to church. I will do this and this, go on spiritual retreats. And what we're saying there is, hey, God, I'm going to do what I want to do to make sure that I become spiritual, as if God doesn't really care about that at all. But we forget the fact that the desire to want to be spiritual, the desire to, to want to do well in life, was given to us by God. So much so that he cares more about that particular thing, cares more about our spirituality than we do. That's why Jesus says the numbers on your hair, for those of us who are losing hair, sorry, your beard maybe, I don't know. God knows it better than you do. Your tomorrow, he knows it. What you were doing this day, seven years ago at this time, you probably forgot about it, but God knows. Because God cares about it all more than we do. Every aspect of our lives. But here's a question. 
if God cares more about our lives than we do, if God cares about all that we are more than we do, what happened when this happened? Where was he when this event took place? If he cares about my family members, why did this person experience this? If he cares about my, my life, why am I going through this? Where was he when this thing took place? Here's a frustrating answer. Ready for it? We're never told why. We're never told why. But what we are told is God who is loving, who is self-giving, who you might say is cross-shaped, has to create beings who have free will, who can make decisions to, at times, not choose him. And the reality of that affects all of us. And yet, in all of that, God is not distant. God is at work. And God is very present with us in this brokenness, in this messed up world when things happen that we want to control but we can't. He's present with us. One of my favorite sad story is uh, told by Elie Wiesel. Uh, I won't go into the, 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 the details, but essentially now there's a young kid who, who's being killed in a most graphic, terrible way. And someone hears a thought when this kid is being tortured or dying, someone hears a thought in their head, where is God when this is happening? Where is God when this young boy is losing his life? Is God not present? Does he not care about our lives? And he says, I heard another thought. I said, God is right there with that young boy. So if God cares about all of our lives, where is he when things happen that we do not like? Why are these things happening? We don't know why, but we do know he's present, that he is there weeping. He is there frustrated. He is there there rejoicing with us because he cares about it all more than we do. Would you bow your head with me? To close us off, I want us to go through uh, what you might call imaginative prayer, uh, where we reflect, pray in a creative manner. Let me walk us through some steps. Uh, First off, take a deep breath. As you do, just become aware of where you are at, how you're feeling, and how you are thinking. Take a second deep breath. Now, we know that God cares about everything more than we do. But at times, it's hard to believe that. It's hard to accept that. So I want you to think about things in your life that you would say, I know I care about these things, but I don't know if God does. What is that thing? That idea that you care about, but you may not be sure if God cares about that. Why don't you quietly just name whatever that thing is?
And then why don't you just tell God, hey, that you care about these things. Father, I care about this. Lord, I'm concerned about this thing. And I want to ask you to, to bring your fears, your concern, your worry. You may say, well, I care about this, but God, I don't know if you do. God, I'm concerned about this particular thing, but I don't want to give it to you because you may not worry about it. You may not do it the way I want this to be done. So express your concern, your fears, your thoughts about the thing that you care about to, to God. Now, I want you just to imagine Jesus standing before you. Imagine his facial expression mirroring that of yours. If it's frustration, if it's fear, because you don't know if God cares about that particular thing or these things, imagine Jesus reacting as you do, being concerned. about it as you are. Take a deep breath. Take another deep breath. I want you to tell Jesus that you're going to trust him. You're going to slowly, over time, or even instantly, start to trust him with these things. And ask him to help you to trust him. Lord, it's so hard to give up things that we want to have control over. It's so hard sometimes to believe that you are good, that you care about us, care about things that we care about more than we do. I do ask that, God, that you would help us, that you would train us, that you would teach us to begin to trust you. Because I know you care about it. All this in your son's name. Amen.